Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm your host as always, Stan McCune, realtor right here in the Greenville area. You can find all of my contact information in the show notes if you need to reach out to me for any of your real estate needs. And just a reminder, as always, please like, rate, review, subscribe, all of those good things to this show. If you're watching on the YouTube, if you're listening to it on your uh, favorite podcast platform, whatever the case may be, please make sure that you don't miss future episodes and support the show by liking, subscribing, commenting, whatever your app allows you to do. Um, Today is January 16th. I was hoping that I'm recording this at least. I was hoping by now that we would have the uh, Greater Greenville Association uh, of Realtors numbers for the month of December 2023, and then we could kind of tie a bow on 2023. I'm going to have to kick the can for probably one more week uh, because I just refreshed and we still don't have those numbers. So instead, I'm going to be pivoting to a different topic that I want to discuss which is a topic that we've already discussed in the past, but I have uh, some new interesting data that I would like to present to you guys and some thoughts on that data. And so the topic that we're going to be discussing today is the uh, the financial aspects, right? The, the uh, point at which renting versus owning, how should I say this? The point at which it makes more sense to rent or own, financially speaking. And usually this is a very... Uh, simple discussion that doesn't have nuance to it, and I want to uh, bring some nuance to this discussion. Now, we we talked a little bit about this a few weeks ago, and that was more of that unnuanced discussion, right? We discussed renting versus owning and why a lot of people choose to own even in situations where it's cheaper to rent. Um, and, And that was just taking it the way people normally do, which is what is the monthly cost, right? Right now in Greenville, the reality is for the first time, well, the past few years has been the first time in probably the history of Greenville, certainly since I've been involved in real estate, that it became cheaper to rent versus having a mortgage. And a lot of that has to do with, obviously, prices skyrocketed uh, the past few years. But then on top of that, the mortgage rates uh, became very high and very cost prohibitive. And so all of those things combined to make it uh, from a monthly standpoint, right, and just in terms of what you're paying per month, cheaper to rent versus own. Um, but we talked about how, for some people, the finances aren't even uh, aren't the main reason why you would choose to own. There are a lot of other reasons. We already had that discussion. Today, we're going to look at the different angle, which is um, the angle of what are the other financial discussions and and advantages potentially right of owning versus renting um and i just want to start by saying there's a large group of people out here or out there i should say not out here um out there who believe that buying a house is a poor financial decision and their argument is that you could rent for less which is true like i said that didn't used to be true in greenville but it is now and it's true for for the vast majority of the country um so the argument is that you could, if you could rent for less, um, you should do that and then take what you save and invest that. In other words, let's say that you're, if you bought a house, your mortgage would be $3,000, but you can rent a decent enough, comparable enough house for $2,500 a month. You should take that $500 
cost savings in addition to other potential savings, right? Your maintenance savings, uh, since your landlord or your landlady is doing maintenance for you, different things like that. Take that, uh, take what you're saving and then invest that. And that is a better way of making money than, uh, than trying to make money by owning real estate that's going to appreciate. And in theory, this makes sense, right? You should be able to get a higher return on your money investing it in things that aren't your primary residence, right? In theory, in a vacuum, this argument makes sense. Save money, invest it in uh, in, in different ways. Uh, maybe you're good at trading. Maybe you're big into crypto. That's been the crypto uh, train has been on a roller coaster lately. Um, there, there's all sorts of ways to invest money, right? It doesn't have to be in real estate, and and uh, it certainly doesn't have to be in your primary residence. In fact, most people are uh, don't even though they view their primary residence as an investment in theory, they don't treat it like an investment. They will over improve things. They will uh, make changes that the market, uh, if they were to sell their home, wouldn't like. So people do all sorts of things to their primary residence that betrays the fact that they don't actually view it as as a major investment. But that being said, for most Americans, most of their net worth is tied up in their primary residence. And uh, and the reality is that when we talk about the American dream, what we're generally speaking talking about is the ability to buy real estate fairly cheaply, fairly easily, and to build wealth through real estate, which then opens up other doors to uh, to building wealth in other ways. Um, that's not uh, obviously an official definition, but that is what I have seen. And that is, you know, when people move to the United States from other countries, one of the first things that they want to do is buy real estate because that is the way they perceive the American dream. At least that's been that's been my experience with uh, with immigrants uh, that I have dealt with in my real estate business. Um, so I want to lay that foundation. I also want to say this, and I've mentioned this before on my podcast. Um, Warren Buffett said something roughly a decade ago that really was interesting to me. And he said, this was before I was a realtor. He said that buying a house was a four, was a poor financial decision for him, right? He has a, he has a, a mansion, um, I, I think in Omaha, an incredible house, obviously. Um, but he said that was actually a poor financial decision for him. It was a poor, if you simply analyzed it as an investment, it was not a good decision. But he still stood by purchasing uh, that house and being a homeowner versus renting uh, because that allowed him to raise a family in a house that was theirs um, and to to make memories in an environment that was their environment. That was meaningful to Warren Buffett. Um, but... He could have, in theory, rented a mansion for cheaper and then invested that money and made a whole lot more money than what he was making in the uh, annual appreciation of his mansion. But the reality is that not everyone is a billionaire like like Warren Buffett. Obviously, he's been an insanely successful investor, regardless of whether you feel like he's lost a step in recent years, which he probably has. Um, he's still a top 1% investor in the world. And additionally, when you buy a unique property like like a mansion, those tend to not appreciate in the same way as that just standard conforming uh, homes will appreciate. So Warren Buffett unique in two ways: owning a house uh, 
um, that is not a normal house and that has a small market for it at the end of the day, which likely is going to cause it to not appreciate annually in the same way that that normal everyday houses uh, will appreciate. Um, and additionally, he was you know, a uniquely su- uh, successful investor. He has a unique investor mind where he could consistently, you know, year in and year out, beat the market in terms of investing his money. So for sure, Warren Buffett is an example of someone that, uh, th- that from a financial perspective, should have rented and should have taken the strategy. Even so, he said that he didn't want to do that. It wasn't uh, his primary residence. He didn't view it as an, invest- as an investment. He viewed it, or at least not a financial investment. He viewed it as an emotional uh, investment and an investment for his family. Okay, so that's the foundation. Right, I wanted to I wanted to make sure we approached it from all those different angles. But what does this look like for us normies, right? For us that aren't uh, billionaire investors. For starters, I think we need to realize that comparing the monthly cost, I've already kind of said this, but comparing the monthly cost of renting versus owning, okay? Simply, here's I can rent this for $2,000 a month or I can buy a comparable home for that my mortgage will be 2500 a month. Um, just comparing those monthly numbers is a flawed metric uh, because the main reason people view home ownership as an investment is the, as we've already said, appreciation that they bank over the years. It's not the cost savings. So simply looking at the annual cost of buying versus renting doesn't factor that in. Secondly, it's important to remember that 99% of renters aren't looking at the cost to buy versus the cost to rent and then taking the money they save by renting and putting it into other investments, right? How many people do you know that were like, hey, you know, I'm renting for two thousand a month a house that I could have bought for twenty five hundred, and I and I had the means of buying it for twenty five hundred. But I said, you know what? I'm going to save that five hundred dollars a month, and I'm going to invest all of it. And guess what? I've beaten the market. I've, I'm crushing it. I'm making so much money. I'm so much wealthier now because I chose to rent versus purchasing. Tell me how many renters you know that how many people that you know that have done that. And there's a statistic out there that homeowners are on average 44 times wealthier than renters that's a that's an actual statistic now you could say you know which came first the chicken or the egg are people renting because they're poor or are they poor because they're renting again it's it's not going to be the same for every person but the reality is that if you take in theory a wealthy renter and give them this option of being able to invest in uh, in things that aren't their primary residence, how many renters are successfully doing that? It's I'm not saying that none of them are doing that, but I'm saying a small portion are doing that. And of that small portion, a very small portion are investing 100% of what they're saving uh, because that's just unlike... It's, it's hard to have that kind of self-control, right? You're saving money, but you can't actually see the savings. Um, and, uh, and, and then you're expected to invest this money that you're saving, but not really saving. Like you, again, you're not seeing those savings. Um, anyway, my point is that the argument you can make more money investing outside of your primary residence while potentially accurate in theory is not practically true for the vast majority of the public. So where am I going with this? Well, there's a real estate analyst I follow named Aziz I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but it's something like Sunderji or Sunderji, something like that. Aziz, we'll just we'll just try Sunderji. Um, 
Aziz has some great uh, some great data out there, and I'm just going to call him Aziz from now on, even though, unfortunately, there's a famous comedian with that name uh, that most of you know. But anyway, I'm not talking about the comedian. I'm talking about real estate analysts. Um, he decided to analyze the rental and purchase markets nationwide to determine at what point it's better to rent or own. He came up with some really incredible, very interesting data. Now, before we get into that data, we have to get into what the data actually entails. And this will be a bit dry, but I do think it's important, particularly for you guys that want to understand, and really everyone listening needs to understand uh, what goes into this data. So I am going to actually pull up and screen share, if you're on YouTube, uh, a, the website where he talks about this. All right, there we go. I'm screen sharing. Um, and here's what uh, what Mr. Aziz says. He says, in order to make an apples-to-apples comparison, and I'm just going to read this, okay? Uh, so just bear with me a second. We assume the would-be buyer and renter are the same person with the same financial means, namely a down payment saved up and ready to put towards a house. If they don't buy, we assume that as renters, they are 100% disciplined investing all of this down payment and all the savings from lower monthlies from renting in financial markets. It clarifies, as I've already said, uh, in parentheses, renters are much less disciplined in the real world, but for modeling purposes, we give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, We only model the financial aspects of buy versus uh, rent decision. There are other considerations, uh, flexibility, pride of ownership, etc., and individuals should factor those into their decision, obviously. The goal here is merely to quantify the economics. Our analysis uses the median two-bedroom home price, which in Zillow is $267,887, and the median two-bedroom rent, $1,317 per month from apartment list. We use two-bedroom units as as our base case, because we have reliable pricing on both sale and rent side. This is a conservative approach, since rentals are typically of lower quality than homes for sale. We use the national median across the other assumptions we have to make uh, in order to arrive at an answer, a 14% down payment, a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, property taxes of 1.1%, annual maintenance of 1%, HOA fees of 217 per month, insurance of 0.57%, buying costs of 2%, selling costs of 6%, and the capital gains rate tax of 15%. We assume a marginal income tax rate of 30%. Almost done here. We make best case we make best guess assumptions about the future for other relevant variables, inflation of 2% and market returns on invested cash of 6% pre-ca- pre-tax. For the estimate shown above, we assumed home price appreciation of 5% per year and rents rising at uh, 3% per year, but these are critical inputs, and we stress test them below, okay? I'm not going to get into uh, to the stress test part of it. We're just going to look at the data. But I just want to say before we look at uh, at these charts that he created, this is about as conservative as you could be with this data. It's very skewed towards renting versus owning, if you, in, in which probably most of you picked up as I was reading that. Um, so I would expect the data to really, really favor renting, but in reality, it doesn't. Um, and there are two great charts that Aziz created. I'm going to start with one that is somewhat obvious, but still very helpful to actually have it in data, right? There's a lot of things. One thing I've learned when talking about real estate, I'll give data to people and they'll be like, oh yeah, that's obvious. Um, yeah, there are some common sense things that appear obvious, but until you actually see it in the data, 
Like, usually there are some subtleties that you would not have picked up on if you were uh, just approaching things from a common sense perspective. Um, and so I just want to to say that for this first first chart. It'll seem common sense at, at, on some levels, but if you really think about it, there's some really interesting uh, aspects to it. Basically, the financial benefits of home ownership are directly tied to how long you own the home. And that's going to be the case with both of these charts that we look at. So I'm going to screen share another chart. All right. This chart, the, I'm, I'm looking at a chart right now for those of you that are listening that's called For Comparable Homes, Buying Beats Renting by Year 4. And it's a, it's a step chart and, and a line chart that shows the cost of buying and renting for the median American two-bedroom home. And here's what, here's what happens. Basically, by year three, it's about a break-even point. The way they took all of that data that I just explained. By year three, it's essentially a break-even point for whether it makes sense to buy or rent. What does that mean? That means on a national average, it is it makes more sense for people to buy if they are going to live in their home for at least three years. If they're not going to live in their home for at least three years, then they're at risk for potentially losing money versus renting. Okay, I'm going to come back to, again, these are national numbers. Um, one thing that we've talked about a lot is the national numbers don't 100% apply to Greenville, but this is a good baseline to operate off of. Now, by uh, by year 10, right? Let's say that you own a home by year 10 versus renting by year 10. By year 10, uh, the average renter uh, has paid uh, $226,000 versus the average homeowner uh, after you factor in all the appreciation and whatnot, is out $164,000. Again, these are net numbers. Um, and so that's a big spread, right? That's, uh, what, uh, 62000 uh difference by the, by the 10th year. For, for the average middle-class American to be able to save $62,000 in 10 years, that's huge. That's a lot of money for, uh, for the average American and uh, and again, this is uh, this is something that we're seeing, and and something that we need to to think about is and and uh, okay, let me back up for a second. I've I've had conversations with my clients about this before. We've had conversations where it's like, hey, what do you think? Do do you think that the market is going to appreciate enough that if I purchase this home, um, I won't be underwater in a few years? And, I'm, and my question is always, how many years are we talking about? Because in real estate, a lot of volatility can happen in one year or two years, right? But that third year, if you're going to stay in a home within three years, you're typically pretty safe. Now, I will say as well that I have actually never had a, a client that has, uh, that has ended up on the losing end of the spectrum once they sell their home, even if they've only owned their home for a year or two. Um, and so... I personally haven't run into that, but also I started real estate after uh, the effects of the Great Recession. Something like that happens. If we have another world financial crisis, uh, then people can find themselves in trouble. Some people sold at the absolute worst time in 2020, right before the market took off, 
maybe right during right during uh, right when the pandemic started, something like that. And and there were a few people that lost money there, and there were uh, some house flippers that lost money in 2022 when the market shifted due to higher interest rates. So there are some things that can happen um, that can cause people to to lose money in the short run. So really, my advice, it's not financial advice, but my advice to general home homeowners, if they're concerned that they may uh, that they may find themselves underwater on their home, uh, you know, when they're when it's time to sell, how long do you plan to uh, to live here? Generally speaking, you're safe if you've lived there for at least three years. And and again, this isn't about even about whether homes go up or down in value, whether you go underwater or not. This is a broader discussion uh, about whether it's better to rent versus buy. Uh, but that's all kind of uh, baked in here. Now, as I've already alluded to in Greenville, I, I really do suspect that this is it's less than than this three four year marker. I I, I do truly think that. Um, as I already said, I've been a realtor now for um, for eight years, and every time I've had a client that sold a home after owning for two years or more, they made great money. Not just a little bit of money, but great money. The only times I have really seen people get in trouble are those times that I mentioned before. So generally speaking, um, people that are are making a purchase in Greenville, they're safe. Generally speaking, again, that's not financial advice. It's still safer to make sure that you're going to be living in the home uh, long term. That's really the main reason, to, the main way to guarantee that your home is going to go up in, in value and it's going to be worth more. Uh, than when you purchased it for, and also that it will have been a better investment to purchase versus rent. All right, let's look at another chart. And this one I found really interesting, and I think you guys will as well. There's a reason why I saved the more interesting one uh, for a second. It's a good uh, a good strategy. This uh, graph is called Owning Beats Renting If Home Prices Rise by 3.15% Per Year, and this happens 70% of the time. So if we have home price appreciation of at least 3.15% per year, it is better to uh, own than it is to rent. So obviously, if, a, if appreciation uh, on real estate is below 3.15%, that's roughly speaking the line, at least based on all of these data and assumptions that uh, that were made. I find it interesting too that it happens 70% of the time. You, If you're on YouTube and you're looking at this, you can see uh, that there were a, a few points in which homes lost value. One was in the, uh, in the 80s, another one was the uh, global financial crisis, and then there's been a handful of other times where nationally we haven't seen uh, prices uh, go up above 3.15%, which with 2023 being one of those years. Now, Greenville is right on the line. I, that This is part of why I really wanted to have that uh, that data. Um, we are right on the line. The last we had the median sale price for November, let me pull this up here. You're, you're not going to see this on YouTube. Um, but we were at 3.1% for the past uh, 12 months. Of appreciation, so from uh, from November to November, uh, we've seen appreciation that is just a hair, just a hair below that three point one five percent marker. Uh, so I'm really anxious to get the December data to see if for the year if if we ended up seeing this. But again, 
what we're saying is that you need to own a home for multiple years to really ensure that you're beating the market in in this way that you're that you're making a decision that owning uh, is better than renting. Um, and seventy, regardless, seventy percent of years in the United States, uh, going back all the way to the seventies, it's been better. We we've seen appreciation at or above three point one five percent on uh, on the national level. Um, and and so again, generally speaking, it is going to be. Uh, better to own than to rent, and unless we see something that causes these levels of appreciation to really go down. What's the most likely scenario uh, of that happening? We talked about this in the past, but the most likely scenario of that happening is when the population starts to go down. Baby boomers start to, and silent generations start to die off, and now we've got you know millennials, Gen Z, and whatever the generation after them is um, that are basically the the only market of buying and they're going to be much poorer than the baby boomers in particular were so i could see appreciation slowing down when that happens we're talking about next decade we're talking about the 2030s we could very well see that happen at that point um but we'll we'll just have to wait and see now what does this mean for the greenville market well uh, the 70% rule seems pretty accurate for our market as well. I think Greenville might be a tad higher than that in comparison to the average. But in general, the Greenville market uh, does mirror the national market in this way. Like the Great Recession, uh, things happen in Greenville pretty comparable to what they happened in the rest of the U.S., just not as extreme, right? We saw homes lose value, just not to the extreme that the rest of the nation did, Um but what kind of appreciation are you seeing in general, right? I'm sure you're curious. Are we beating, you know, I talked about this year, but generally speaking, are we beating uh, this 3.15% uh, marker per year? Well, as with most things, it depends on how far back you go. So let's go back to the Great Recession. That was the biggest housing crash of, of, uh, of most Americans' lifetimes, to be completely honest. Um, and so starting in, and you know what, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll pull up a... I'll pull up a chart for this one. Just bear with me one sec. I wasn't going to do this because we've we've talked about this before. I'm just pulling up the GGR stats for uh, for last month, um, where we will see the the median price point. So, if we go back to uh, to the Great Recession, 2007, and then uh, and then go until now, and and look at at what prices have done. This is really a big handicap for us, right? Um, because we had several years from 2007 to 2011, prices went down. Well, really, t until 2012, if we're if we're being honest. But for sure, until the end of 2011, prices went down. So those are four years of us being in essentially a a deficit with regard to seeing how the market appreciates. Even so. We've seen during that time the median home price increase from roughly 130,000 in 2007 to nearly 313,000 in 2023. Annually, and and again we don't know yet what December's number was. Annually, that comes out to roughly 5.33% annual appreciation, well well beating the 3.15% threshold. 
Um, so even if we go back to pre-Great Recession, the uh, appreciation that we see in the Greenville market, and I've said before, median prices aren't a perfect measure of appreciation, but it's the best we can do. Um, roughly speaking, even going back to even having four years in which the market either was flat or lost money, uh, we still, since the Great Recession, have seen an average of 5.33% annual appreciation in the Greenville market. So still crushing that 3.15%. If you bought in 2007 at the worst possible time to buy in the, no, I, won't, I won't say the history of our country. I, I, I almost said that and then I realized that that's probably not true. But the worst time to buy in a generation, you are still making a better financial decision than renting. That than renting for that entire period of time. Now, maybe if you had started renting, you know, maybe right in the middle of the Great Recession, okay, that might have been the right decision, but probably not because right in the middle of the Great Recession was when prices went down and that was the time to buy everything. Um, so I, I even uh, I disagree with myself on even that point. Um, but I think it's worth saying, well, what has happened since the Great Recession? Well, if you're looking at this chart, you can see that prices in Greenville bottomed in uh, February of 2011. A lot of people don't realize that, but that was the bottom of the median price point. Uh, what happened was the Obama uh, the, uh, administration was trying to stimulate the housing market. That stimulus, the, the tax credit that he was doing went away. And when that went away, that's when we really saw the market bottom out. Um, and it bottomed out at roughly 100 20,000 uh, for the, the median price. So between uh, basically January of 2007, February of 2011, home prices went down from 130,000 to 120,000. That's brutal, right? Four years of no appreciation um, and instead depreciation. Brutal. Um, so if we start from that low point and continue until uh, November of 2023, the best data that we have, uh, we've gone from $120,000 median to, again, a roughly $313,000. Uh, I come up with that that's an average of 7.75% appreciation per year. That is incredible, obviously. I mean, that is people, a lot of people would love to have those types of returns in the stock market. 7.75% per year, more than doubling the 3.15% uh, threshold that I discussed uh, was the threshold where it becomes better to uh, to own than to rent. Now, some might say the pandemic skewed things, right? And there are good arguments uh, against that, but let's play the devil's advocate. Um, and, and here's the way people would say that the, the pandemic skewed things. They think that this, uh, if, you, if you again, if you're on YouTube and you're looking at it, you can see that there it was much faster appreciation that happened when rates were really, really low. From 2020 until mid-2022, appreciation happened at an unprecedented level. Um, but, and, and and some people would say if the pandemic hadn't happened, that 7.75% number or or that number, that 5.33% number, it would actually be much, much lower. Um, again, let's play devil's advocate. From February 2011 until March 2020, what was the annual rate of appreciation, right? Let's go to before the pandemic until March 2020. So we're going from, again, February 2011 to March 2020. So we're, we're taking out the two anomalies, right? We're taking out the Great Recession, which was an anomaly, and we're taking out uh, the, uh, the pandemic, which was also an anomaly. What appreciation did we see during that period of time? We saw 7.1% roughly 
uh, annual appreciation. So no matter how you slice it, over time, it is a better financial decision in the Greenville market to own versus rent, historically speaking. And when you factor in the fact that most renters don't don't invest their savings from renting, it's an even greater financial decision to own versus renting, right? We're assuming the best case that the that you know in that three point one five percent appreciation number, we're assuming the renter is the most disciplined renter on the planet, and they're investing every single cost savings that they've had into the stock market, and that is not realistic. Renters are not doing that by and large. Even the most disciplined renters are rarely doing 100% of those cost savings, as, as I've already discussed. Now, I want to clarify, as always, that there are times when it makes sense to rent. I'm not ever, you, you guys know I'm a realtor, so I am very pro people buying houses, people living in their own houses, people not renting, but I'm also a landlord. I own rental properties, and I I need people to rent, right? There's nothing wrong with renting. Um, but the argument that it's a better financial decision to rent versus buy doesn't hold water, even when it's cheaper to rent versus buy. And and I could see a, a, a situation a few years from now, if mortgage rates come down enough, where it may, in Greenville, go back to being cheaper, even on a monthly basis, to buy versus rent. I don't know. Uh, it, we That ship may have sailed. Um, I, I'm not 100% sure one way or the other. Um, but I could see that happening. But even if that doesn't happen, the data w- indicates it is still a better financial decision for most people. This isn't financial advice. It's just data. It is a better financial decision, historically speaking, in Greenville to own versus rent. There you guys have it. Let me know if you have any thoughts on that. Um, that's the end of today's episode. And I appreciate you guys listening. Um, presumably next week, we'll talk about the market stats. Um, and then at some point here in, in the near future, and it, it may be next week, I, I, I don't know. In, in the next few weeks, we're going to have a, uh, an intro, a, a real estate ignorance roast uh, with a friend of mine uh, on the show. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, so we got some great stuff coming up. Um, I've got some conferences coming up as well. I think I've talked about that, uh, that I should provide me f- with some interesting data. So a lot of great stuff coming up here in the upcoming weeks. And I appreciate all you guys, my listeners. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, again, if you need a realtor in the Greenville market, I'm your guy. Please reach out. My contact information is in the show notes. And please, if you, if you get anything out of the show, please like, rate, review, subscribe, all those good things. And we will talk again next time.